This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Dave Anthony. Today, a Republican who used to be in Congress about a big investigation in the current Congress. But Jason Chaffetz wasn't just any old member of the House. He used to chair the Oversight Committee, so he knows full well what the current chairman, James Comer, is dealing with, probing President Biden and his family's business dealings. Comer just got into a showdown with the director of the FBI, who is refusing to hand over a document that contains a detailed allegation from an FBI source that President Biden might have been involved in a bribery scheme in Ukraine while he was the vice president. Now, President Biden laughed that off the other day. You might have seen it, calling it malarkey, joking, where's the money? Well, Comer wasn't joking when he threatened to hold FBI Director Christopher Wray in contempt of Congress. But just before that committee held a hearing on that, Ray agreed to allow every member on that House panel to view the document and the allegation prompting Comer to back off his contempt threat. Now, we talked to former Congressman Jason Chaffetz before that deal, when the contempt charge was still being considered. We also talked to Chaffetz about his new book that topped the Amazon bestseller list as it came out, The Puppeteers, The People Who Control the People Who Control America. So as you can imagine, our conversation was way too long to fit in Thursday's rundown, but that is not a problem today. We have all the time we need for our entire discussion. And we thank you as always for being here and hope you come back and listen to more of our rundown podcasts and extras. We are here every day. And now Jason Chaffetz on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Joining us again on the Fox News Rundown is former Congressman Jason Chaffetz, who's now a Fox News contributor. He's also someone you can listen to. Jason in the House is his podcast, and he also has another book. It just came out, The Puppeteers, The People Who Control, The People Who Control America. Congressman, first of all, congratulations on the book. Thanks. It's uh, the culmination of like two years of research and work, but uh, thrilled that it's out. Yeah, we'll get into that certainly in what you're uh, I, I, the cover. I, you have President Biden, you have the vice president, you have all, all the, the, the uh, leading Democrats in their puppets and strings there on the cover. We'll get into that in a couple of minutes. But first, I, I want to talk to you about what's going to happen Thursday. The House Republicans are going to hold a hearing and they're going to start the process of holding FBI Director Christopher Wray in contempt of Congress. They've been demanding that he turn over a document that has in it an allegation that when Joe Biden was the vice president, he might have been involved in some sort of a bribery scheme involving foreign money. And this all dates back to the investigation with um, with um, Rudy Giuliani, the Trump attorney in Ukraine. So it's a whole long story behind what's going on with that. But the director of the FBI has not turned that over. What's your thought on what's happening 
with Republicans versus the FBI director? Well, this is a, a, a longstanding fight about access to documents within the Department of Justice. The case that Chairman Comer, and I've had his job in the past, uh, is a strong one. It's one of the stronger ones I've seen because what they have subpoenaed, what they want access to, is not a massive trove of, of you know, a huge document dump. Uh, document dump, dump. They want a very specific file because they've had a whistleblower who's come forward and said, well, I know about this document. I know this allegation, but the FBI has not been pursuing it. And it's an unclassified document. That is key. If it was about sources and methods, if it was classified, that's a whole different fight. But the idea that it's non-classified and it's one document, that makes the case much stronger. All right. <clears throat> Director Ray, on Monday, invited Chairman Comer and the ranking top Democrat, Congressman Jamie Raskin, to the Capitol. He showed up at the Capitol with the document. He let them see it and let them view it. They gave him the backstory, yeah. more details about what the, the, the around the document, what the information is. Why is that not the compliance that the Republicans wanted? He, he showed them. Well, think about the sea change. They went from denying that it even existed to admitting that it existed to, hey, we're not going to show it to you, to allowing them to it to be seen. But the case that I think the Speaker will make and the other members of Congress will be, why can't we also see it? Uh, why can't the rank and file members on the Oversight Committee also see it? Again, it's unclassified. And so I going into this hearing on Thursday, it, there very well may be, before they gavel down, a concession that says, okay, we'll allow more members to see it. And that may slow the train down or at least give more air and breath to it. But again, um, an unclassified document, I've never seen them be able to justify you know, holding it back and, and not allowing it to breathe and, and see the, the light of day. Now, obviously, Raskin is a Democrat. He says, look, there was really nothing to this. There was no deep investigation. And he said, even if there was, and it's an open investigation, it's all the more reason not to give the document forward because it's part of a probe that you wouldn't want made public if it's still under investigation. Well, that feeds into the argument that the Republicans have made is that there was not a deep investigation and that they're not pursuing it. Um, if you look at the standard that they put in place for Donald Trump, there was zero evidence, in fact, forged evidence at some points, and they pursued it. So why not pursue this? And if you didn't pursue it, what's the harm? And if you think it's a closed investigation, all the more case to go ahead and release it. Okay. Let's say they go forward and they get their contempt of Congress and they vote. Then what? I mean, you've gone through this before. Back... Yeah. When you were the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, you went after the attorney general at the time, Eric Holder, and you're yeah. fast and furious. The investigation into, uh, at the time, right, there was guns that got into drug cartels and, and an American died, right? Yeah. And and there, this is the problem. I've talked about this with Trey Gowdy, my former colleague uh, there in the House. Your ability to enforce a subpoena is only as strong as your ability to enforce your subpoena. And the problem is, if you hold them in contempt, if you go to enforce a subpoena, you have to rely on the Department of Justice to do that. Will they prosecute their own? No, they won't. And this is the fundamental problem. Until Congress develops a backbone and says, we are a co-equal branch of government, we are the people's house, 
the people paid for this? Because the informant made hundreds of thousands of dollars and is deemed highly credible by the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Why can't we see this document? It probably won't see the light of day until Speaker McCarthy gets a backbone with the rest of the House Republicans and says, we're going to take the matter into our own hands. Short of that, yeah. if, there, if Ray wants to dig in his heels, he may get a slap on the wrist with a contempt charge, but, you know... He'll be after Eric Holder, and nothing happened to Holder either. Nothing happened, right? You went after him, and it didn't matter. It was on his permanent record, but I don't think he even spends two seconds worrying about that on a day-to-day basis. How successful do you think Republicans have been so far investigating President Biden and his family and the business dealing so far? I'm highly impressed. They didn't get started until January because there was the fight over who was going to be the speaker and consequently who was going to be the committee chairs. So you figure we're in June, and they only started in January. That's pretty impressive. These suspicious activity reports that Comer's been able to unearth, and again, told by Treasury, we're not going to give them to you. But push comes to shove, they go in and they're able to see them. That's the kind of documentation and proof that needs to be exposed and is so different than the Trump experience where there was all this bluster about, oh, well, the evidence is there, and then the Mueller com- report comes out, there is no evidence. And so Comer's hand is very strong in this. It still takes always, it always takes longer than anybody wants it to, but I think they're over the target, and you can usually tell that by how hard they're pressing back. Well, they're not getting much play in the mainstream media on it, are they? I mean, there was a Biden whistleblower who was on some of the network, was on one of the networks, but that was in the IRS uh, case uh, involving uh, the investigation into Hunter Biden. But we're not getting a lot when the when the Republicans held their news conference uh, to to put out evidence against the president. uh, It was dismissed pretty much as they they didn't really tie anything to President Biden. Well, um, the lack of intellectual curiosity by the traditional media is evidence, I think, and reaffirms the public's concern that they are just partisans and that they, that all they want to do is move the Democratic agenda forward because any breath of Donald Trump doing anything and it's top of the fold on the newspapers and it's, you know, blasted out in, in perpetuity – And then you have real evidence of Biden family members enriching themselves based on the vice president's work. And you have emails and voicemails and text messages and a computer, a laptop and all. And you're right. It's relatively silent on these other networks. They never cover this. But shame on them. You know, and then they go out and say, well, democracy dies in darkness. And that's just laughable at this point because they don't call balls and strikes based on the pitch that's being thrown. They've already called what they're, you know, that's going to be a strikeout or that's going to be a walk. It's just, this is what frustrates, I think, the American people. You have a new book, The Puppeteers, The People Who Control, The People Who Control America. This goes along with your prior book, Deep State, right? Yeah. You're talking about, and I I like how in the book you call it Team A versus Team B. And Team A the 535 members of Congress, right? 100 right. senators, 435 members of the House. And as you point out, the average person only gets to vote for three of them. There are two senators right. and their representative, and they rarely ever get access to them as it is. Yeah. Team B is what? Well, it's the bureaucracy and it's the administrative state. Now, the story I tell in the Puppeteers book is 
member of Congress goes to meet with the cabinet secretary. Cabinet secretary is not there. It's just senior staff. And so the, the member of Congress gets up to leave and say, I'm not meeting with the B team. I, want, I, I wanted to meet with the cabinet secretary. And the senior staff calmed him down a little bit and said, hey, listen, I'm sorry that you're meeting with the B team, but you need to understand something. We be here before you, we be here after you, and we be the ones to actually make the decisions. And I'm telling you, that is so true. That is, that is an illustrative story, but it is so true. There are 2.2 million federal employees that are spending about $6 trillion. When we have the budget fights like we did with the debt ceiling a, a weeks ago, that was only about less than 10% of the budget. Most of government runs on mandatory programmatic spending. It's not just Medicaid, Medicare, and Social Security. There are hundreds of other programs that run just like that, and Congress never touches them. They don't do oversight. They don't do the appropriations. And it's the bureaucrats that run it. They're unelected and unaccountable. And you allege that they're left-leaning. Oh, clearly. That, you... that, that the Democrats have successfully infiltrated this federal bureaucracy. Yeah, we show some statistics. Some of the departments and agencies, the federal employees, you look at their donation records, the 95-plus percent of them will be to Democrats. Some departments and agencies, it's 100 percent. IRS is like that, too, right? Yeah, oh, it's stunning how big the numbers are. And the Democrats have tried to create departments and agencies that bypass the political process, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. It's not funded by Congress. There's no congressional oversight. It's funded by the Federal Reserve. Never been done before. It's in the courts, may get turned over based on it being unconstitutional. I think it's not. I don't think it's constitutional. But these are the types of fights that the Democrats are implementing and instituting. And this, this, these puppeteers, it's not just them. They're outside entities as well. Yeah, and, and you talk a lot in the early part of the book about uh, ESG, which is this sort of a, uh, a the, the change in the culture for investments to focus less on capitalism and more on governance, on the environment, climate change, right? Yeah. Uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, and ESG, environmental social governance, these are the principles and the, the quote-unquote stakeholders that the Democrats are trying to implement. They tried for the Green New Deal. Nobody was going to vote for that. They knew it. So they changed it. And they passed the Inflation Reduction Act. Well, they put aside $370 billion in that bill for a climate fund that's run by John Podesta. I think he's one of the puppeteers in this. $370 billion is a lot of money to go out and implement these types of things. And these money managers like BlackRock and Larry Fink, they say out loud, we are trying to do this, not to, to maximize the rate of return, not to maximize the, the um, prosperity in this country, but to try to implement DEI and ESG. And all you have to do is look, Donald Trump had Larry Kudlow, uh, deep financial background, decades. He was the economic council. You know, he was running the economic council. Biden comes in and he points Brian Deese. Brian Deese is a black, former BlackRock employee who's a climate activist. He wasn't there to grow the economy and try to figure out how to make energy better in this country. He was there to implement ESG and DEI. That's what his goal was. To and do. the goal there is to trickle that down into corporate boardrooms, right? Oh, yeah. If you look at the S&P 500, um, BlackRock owns at least 5% 
on more than 98% of the companies. And they take these trillions of dollars and they use it and they use proxy voting, government employees, uh, retirement funds, teachers union retirement funds. Maybe your 401k is managed by BlackRock or Vanguard or one of these, these big mammoth groups. They take your vote as a shareholder. Don't You don't vote it. They vote it through proxy voting. And that's how they're able to go into these corporations, change the board of directors, change resolutions, and you're oblivious to it, even though it's your money. These are the types of puppeteers we try to expose in, in the puppeteer's book. You talk also about, uh, you mentioned the teachers' uh, unions. You talk a lot in the book about schools and yeah. uh, equity, social justice. That's not the government, though. Teachers' unions aren't the government. It, it's Again, there's the government component and apparatus, but the teachers' union, we talk about Randy Weingarten and what they're trying to do. The other thing, though, that they're, they're also implementing, and they're pushing us through at, a, at more of a state level, but also through the Federal Department of Education, there's a new term we all need to learn. It's called community schools. Sounds safe. Sounds nice. Right. But that is the deception because they want the whole of the child, everything from the haircut to the clothing, and they want to take, and we outline this in the puppeteers, the data. They'll hand them a computer for free, but they take all the data and they monitor what they're doing, and then they sell that data. So it becomes an income stream to the teachers' union. Those types of things are happening right now. It's the They call it the whole of the student. And they've gotten people like Governor Newsom in California to appropriate lots of money behind this. And it's very scary because it's not about teachers. It's, and it's not about parents and kids. It's about government control. You talk about uh, data mining. Surveillance is something else you, you go yeah. into the book in, in, in great detail about. And, and part of it is your concern about uh, the move to have the biggest threat in America being domestic extremism. You take issue with that. The, the Department of Justice believes that white supremacy is the single most, uh, single biggest threat to the United States. They, and, they say they have data to back it up. And, and, and they don't. And, and the, the puppeteers explains and articulates and demonstrates how they do those statistics. And they we cite some of the cases where they think that's white supremacy and, and domestic uh, terrorism types of activities. And look, where it's there, go fight it. But is it really, really the number one threat? I argue in the Puppeteer's book that they need this in place in utter order to justify more control, more manipulation. We, When I was in Congress, I held hearings about the FBI breaking the law because they were using facial recognition technology. And they were gathering data and taking more than half of Americans are now in the FBI's database. And I'm sorry, but if you're a suspicionless American and you're 16 years old and you just got your driver's license, why are you in their database? I think we all pretty much assume that we're in databases But everywhere. we shouldn't be. You know, it would be a lot easier for law enforcement if they take your DNA, maybe a hair sample and a fingerprint when you're born. Mm. We've never done that. Because maybe we will, but but we shouldn't, and that's the argument. I I've got a libertarian streak in me. I'm a conservative. I just don't believe that that's where we want to be. Because you can take all these, if you're doing facial recognition, and they did this in the case of George Floyd, and they did this in the case of January 6th. They did, and they take everybody in this perimeter and start running them through a database. If you walk into maybe go get a cancer treatment, maybe you go to a bar, um, maybe you go to a concert. 
Should your information then be part of this social governance? What we show in the puppeteers is this is what China does. They give you a social score, which gives you access to credit where you can travel. That's where this country and where the Democrats are trying to take us. That is the next step. They want to give you and assign you a social score. And if they do that with a digital currency, look out. The world is changing. Yeah, and you also talked about your time in Congress, and you wrote in the book that you spent a lot of time focusing on waste, fraud, and abuse. Nobody seems to care. Um, I, I wouldn't say nobody or, cares. Or it doesn't get much traction. Put it well, the, the problem I see is that there are so there's such a lack of consequence. Rare to none did any federal employee ever get fired, let alone prosecuted. Uh, there need to be people in handcuffs. There need to be people. When the IRS commissioner, John Koskinen, lied, I mean, flat out lied, destroyed evidence that was under his control when he had a duly issued subpoena, nothing. Nothing happened. He literally, the, this goes back to the Lois Lerner case and all that. Nothing ever happened to him. Look at the FBI and what they went through with Donald Trump. You had an FBI attorney who forged documents to manipulate the FISA court. What did the court do? Nothing. Literally not a single consequence. In fact, the bar didn't even take away his law license. Well, the FBI says it has made changes now as a result. And I don't believe them. I don't believe a word they say. I mean, look how many. You have over a thousand pages from Michael Horowitz, the inspector general, where he's made more than a dozen referrals to them for potential criminal prosecution. Not one of them was prosecuted. Kevin Kleinsmith uh, did a plea deal. Um, got probation, didn't lose his law license for forging documents to a court to spy on Americans to manipulate an election. It doesn't get much worse than that. No consequence. All right. You write all these things in the book that are going wrong, and at the end you have answers. Like, How would we change the situation where you have unelected people making these decisions? Um, first of all, I believe in term limits for elected officials. I think we need term limits actually on the federal bureaucrats. Uh, when a new president comes on board, the, the federal bureaucracy needs to be, the political appointees need to be blown out. I'm not talking about your rank and file you know, person who's just trying to be a letter carrier. That That's not who I'm talking about. But a president literally has thousands of these political appointees. You also need to starve the beast. If you continue to fund it at $6 trillion, where nearly one out of every $5 in this country is spent, is spent by the federal government, you're going to continue to have this problem. But most of the solutions probably come at the state level. State treasurers, state attorney generals, they have real power and could do real things, both with our schools, uh, with government, all of these things. So I'm still an eternal optimist. We're still the greatest country on the face of the planet. The, the idea that I could write the puppeteers, publish it, speak truth to power, we're a magical place. But we better fight the fights that are worth fighting. And I worry that oftentimes we're not fighting the fights worth fighting. These are the fights that we need to fight over here. All right. We mentioned earlier your podcast, Jason in the House. I'm going to flip the script on you. You ready? Okay. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> I know you like to ask this. Do you like pineapple on pizza? I hate pineapple on pizza. I like pineapple. I love I love pizza. As you can tell. You don't get a body <laughs> like mine by missing out on pizza. What was the first concert you attended? Um, you know, it, <laughs> if you go all the back, questions you ask your guests, well, I, have to do I know. This. And the answer for me, it's it's Michael Jackson, Mile High Stadium, with my friend Keith, and we bought some scalp tickets. I'm pretty sure it was Michael Jackson. 
My seat was so far up in the rafters, so far away, but Michael Jackson. I was way up there my first show. The Firm. Yeah. No one knows who they are anymore, but it was Jimmy yeah, Page yeah, from Led yeah. Zeppelin. Who was your first celebrity crush? <sighs> well, it probably had to do with the Brady Bunch because oh, yeah, I no, really I dig... I really dug Marsha Brady. Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, I had a Farrah Fawcett poster. I had, yeah. Yeah, my crushes got more numerous, but yeah, I was enamored with the Brady Bunch early on. What was your high school mascot? You know, uh, I tried to change the mascot. My senior year, we were, uh, it was the Middle Park Panthers in, outside, in Granby, Colorado. And I tried to change it to the Penguins because it, <laughs> we got so much. So this is outside Winter Park, Colorado. <laughs> Um, and um, I was unsuccessful. Panthers for my high school, too, in Massachusetts and yeah. Holliston. What's your go-to order at Taco Bell? Well, I like the black bean chalupa. I also like a um, a um, bean burrito, add sour cream minus onions, and, and I like the chips and cheese. So I, I got I got my go-to order. It usually includes all of those. Do you walk to the ones? There's a, the one in the city, right? Not far from us. I can't believe there's one here in New York City. But it, <laughs> but in, in Utah, I got two, a, I got two within about four miles of my house. They called a cantina, I think. Whatever. I've not been there myself. I just drive by it on my way to the garage. Trace Gallagher of Fox. Never been. Oh, I'm sorry, John Roberts. I did this here. He's never been to Taco Bell. Really? It's my goal in life to take John Roberts to a Taco Bell. All right. We'll yeah. work that out. Yeah. Jason Chaffetz, the new book, The Puppeteers, The People Who Control the People Who Control America. It's out now. You can also hear him on the Jason in the House podcast. Ask those questions and a lot more, of course, former congressman from Utah. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.